Have you actually talked about sex with your partner? Like really? Like discussions about what you like, what you don't like, what turns you on, what doesn't? Any sexual intimacy issues? Today's guest is Jackie Oliver, and Jackie helps to end the problem. And that problem being sexual intimacy issues. I think you'll find that this podcast episode will be one of the more insightful and informative episodes that I've done so far. It's action-packed with really great information about a topic that we all should know more about. Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone out there, Jackie Oliver. If you're looking to spice up your intimacy and your sex life in particular, I highly recommend Romantic Escapades CBD-infused massage oil and Honey Pot's CBD-infused silicone-based personal lubricant. Uh, As someone who's been in a a long-term relationship with my wife, uh, it's been an incredible experience using these products. Uh, I'm not someone who's usually pumping products all the time, but I really wanted to get this one out because I think it has... Uh, really bought even more intimacy into our lives. And it's just fun to use. I mean, sex is fun. Having more fun during it is, uh, makes it even more enjoyable. And what makes this even better is the founders, Dennis and Jesse, are just lovely people, uh, really connected with Dennis on a call. And I just love what they're doing. So get out there and get some more spiciness and excitement in your love life with Romantic Escapade and Honeypot. And for a special... Um, if you go to uh, the website, uh, if you go to uh, fantasticescapades.com, uh, you can use my code DRD20, spell out doctor, and then D20 to get 20% off your purchase. Guys, I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. All right. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for being on my podcast today and really looking forward to speaking with you. So thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Darian. I deal with people and relationships and two of the biggest concerns are emotional reactions and the damage that can do and sexual intimacy and how that can push people apart or bring people closer together. So uh, tell me about the sexual intimacy. I mean, I'm interested kind of where the motivation came from to work on this in your life. Oh, well, that was really interesting. Uh, Like a lot of people, my motivation came from uh, troubled teenage years where I expected, well, I went through uh, sexual abuse and the related turmoil that resulted from that with uh, mental contamination and depression and then my uh, father committed suicide when I was 20, so that kind of added to mm. it. I ended up in a relationship with a man who had his own challenges that included uh, gambling and alcohol abuse, and he also had a sexual function issue. And that affected me as well. I was already affected from not being able to reach orgasm myself possibly linked Mm -hmm. to the abuse that I had experienced and then my partner having an erectile dysfunction disorder and uh, we had a a 
very strong friendship, but intimacy was just about non-existent between us. And so when he unexpectedly died on the eve of our 15th anniversary, it was a big wake-up call for me. And I was like, wow, I don't want to go for the rest of my life uh, not being able to feel fulfilled as a human being. And so I made it my mission to figure out the cause and the cure for male and female sex problems. Spent many years researching and developing, had to do that outside of mainstream because they don't have the answers. And ended up uh, stumbling across a method taught to me by a native person of our country. And he taught me about a unique switching method and it all takes place in the brain. And it's about understanding that uh, from the sexual perspective, if you focus on the wrong action at the wrong time, then it's going to cause problems. For men, that is either ejaculating early or losing erection hardness or not being able to get a hard in the, to start with and therefore not also being able to ejaculate. And for a woman that is being unable to reach orgasm, and uh, yes, huge numbers, statistically, there are huge numbers of males and females with these problems. Oh, I didn't know there was. Uh, so what are the numbers? Like, what's the percentages? And is this across the world? Or is this based off of uh, where you're where you're from? Where are you from? You sound like it's like an Australian accent. It sounds like kind of or South African. <laughs> you were close the first time. I'm from New oh, Zealand. New, close, close to uh, Australia, right? Close to Australia. Not close yeah. to their accent, but close to them. <laughs> close to them, yes. Geographically, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Now, what was your first question, Daria? So what, what are the percentages of sexual dysfunction? Like you said, it's a large number. What are we looking at here? We're looking at 80% of people being wow. affected by them. Wow, so, that seems like a really high number. And what's really interesting is that, so for example, for erectile dysfunction, many people think that it's an older man's disease. And the reason why they think that is they, they think that it's also related to heart disease, which it can be. However, the, and I'll just touch on this and then give you the numbers, is that stress causes heart disease and erectile dysfunction causes stress. Now, they, when they test a lot of men for erectile dysfunction, they also have heart disease. But there are huge amounts of cortisol being released into the body when a person is constantly worried, or if a man is constantly worried about whether or not he will get hard, whether or not he will stay hard, whether he will be able to last long enough to satisfy his partner, and that's of huge importance to a man. Now, when we look at the statistics, 40% of men over 40 experience erectile dysfunction. However, 40% of men under 40 also experience erectile dysfunction. 
And I've treated men as young as 18 with this problem. Yeah. Then looking I've heard of at- this, actually. I've heard of this, like, especially with uh, younger millennial populations, that sexual dysfunction is becoming a large issue. Yes, and that's really interesting because they're also being taught to be a more caring population. Hmm. And if they're focusing too much of their attention on foreplay, giving their partner foreplay. I see. Caring. That's not, what you mean. Yeah. So when, if they're giving their, too much of their attention to their partner's experience, they won't be giving their brain enough arousing signals. If they're focused more on the emotional connection or focused more on the spiritual connection, they won't be giving their brain enough arousing signals. And so the brain and all its great wisdom and uh, effectiveness is going to cancel out the erection. It's like, oh, right, well, we're not getting any of those signals. So he obviously doesn't want his erection. Right. He just cancels out the erection. And wow. so when a man learns how to balance his sexual focus, Oh, and going back to those numbers, over 33% of men suffer from premature ejaculation. And just over about uh, oh, about the last 70 clients I've had, I've started recording the statistics. And, oh, what was I going to say? So statistically, you're recording the last seventy uh, people, and you and with that's uh, right. Sexual, I'm, yeah, I'm, with I didn't think to have the statistics open in front of me. So we've got it's okay. We've got about seventy uh, percent of men have premature ejaculation, and thirty percent of them erectile dysfunction, and then that's what I was going to say. So. Uh, I also ask if there are secondary conditions. And so 30% of those men had developed the other problem. So if he started with premature ejaculation, he also developed erectile dysfunction. If he started with erectile dysfunction, he also developed premature ejaculation. And what's really interesting about these are that they are actually the same problem, but they happen at opposite ends of the arousal scale. And so the arousal scale is the measurement of how much pleasure a man is aware of feeling. If he's under aroused, he's going to lose his erection. But if he's over aroused, he's going to lose control of ejaculation. And if he doesn't know how to balance his sexual focus, he's going to catapult from one end of the arousal scale to the other and just have no hard and control time in between. I see. I see. Now, why doesn't, um, you said, I want to go back to, you said uh, the mainstream doesn't have the answers. Why don't they have the answers? Because they're focused on the wrong problem. See, they're, they're looking at it from a medical perspective and a health perspective, which they absolutely have to, but a lot of the time it's not the problem. And I've also had clients who have been to sex therapists all around the world and uh, world-renowned sex therapists, 
and they still haven't got the answers they need because it's been a wrong focus issue. And it doesn't matter uh, what other technique they employ in trying to solve a sexual issue. If you don't address the wrong focusing issue, then you're going to continue to have the same problem. For example, a sex therapist will often tell a man with erectile dysfunction to focus more on his partner. And of course, that just makes the problem worse because he's already too focused on his partner. But if he learns to focus on his partner in the correct way, he can regain full control of his erection. But if he does too much of that, he's going to err towards ejaculating early. And these problems stem from not having a relevant education, a relevant sex education that is actually relevant to the mental mechanics of performing the sexual act, what to focus on and when. So if we were to break down the sexual act, we're looking at foreplay, penetration time and intercourse. And then there's ejaculation time. And how you focus your attention during foreplay is going to determine if you're hard enough at penetration time or if you're overstimulated at penetration time. And so a man who is not hard enough or over aroused at penetration time, he's going to have a huge amount of performance anxiety because he knows that either he's not stimulated enough and penetration is going to be difficult or as soon as he puts it in, it's going to be all over. Right. Interesting. How does this play on the other side with, uh, with women in, in uh, dealing with the dysfunction? Well, for women, the biggest problem is a mental contamination issue. So with a male, a lot of it becomes performance anxiety. And then he's triggering stress hormones instead of sex hormones or an overabundance of them. Whereas for a woman, she needs to focus most of her attention on the physical sensations and enjoying those sensations. But what happens is she starts getting close to an orgasm and then she starts questioning if it's an orgasm. So she might be thinking, oh, that feels good. Oh, my gosh, that feels good. Oh, that feels so good. And then is it? Is it? Is this an orgasm? And then suddenly she's off on a completely different tangent, totally unrelated to the sexual act, and her brain cancels out the orgasm program. Right. Now, 80% of women have problems reaching orgasm during intercourse. And 20% of those women can't orgasm at all. And there another statistic, a recent study of 7,000 women between the ages of 18 and 39 in Australia indicated that 52% of them were unhappy with their sex life. That's a lot of young women in there too. 
and see if if she had been taught in that sexual education how to balance her sexual focus throughout the sexual act, then she would know how to focus her attention on the right actions that would help to stimulate her awareness of feeling so that and how to balance her sexual focus on sexually arousing thoughts, feelings and actions, then she would be able to orgasm on command and she would be able to enjoy the sexual act. And a lot of women lose their libido and, uh, for example, having children becomes a reason why she lost her libido. Or then when the children have grown up, she suddenly has menopause and that can appear to be very conveniently timed for many men who have been waiting for 20 years for their sex life to resume. And yet what's happened often is that she just hasn't been able to reach orgasm. She feels like she's failing as a human being and it's killed her libido. And if her partner is one of those men who are experiencing a weak erection problem or a premature ejaculation problem, then their sex life is under a huge amount of stress. And if their sex life is under a huge amount of stress, they're at risk for heart disease and diabetes and all those other health concerns that uh, people in the health and wellness industry work so hard to help to prevent. And sometimes, a lot of the time, the core of it is a sexual function issue and the lack of intimacy and happiness in that part of their life. That's incredible. That's actually the link between those things seems absolutely incredible. I wanted to go again, as I'm thinking, you're telling me things and thinking about the sex education. And I wonder, how does a person get an appropriate sex education if they're not receiving that when they're growing up. I mean, a lot of people aren't, and the school system is not very good at providing proper sex education for people. Well, at the moment, they are getting their sex education from porn and romance novels. Yes, correct. And it's incomplete, and it, it's fairy tale, both fairy tales. It's quite interesting. I, I treated a uh, porn star for a sexual function issue several years ago by a Skype session. And she had never been able to reach orgasm with a partner. And yet here she was faking it for everyone who watches porn. And she also said that most of the men would use numbing creams and oh, erection man. enhancing drugs so that they could stay hard, be as hard right. as possible and in control and, and act like stallions when they were faking it all the way through. That's amazing. Like, yeah, because like that can't be true, right? I mean, you know, like. Yeah, so there you go. Now you know a lot of it isn't. So if we're, and the other thing about the porn education is it teaches people, especially guys, to go hard and fast and to constantly change right. position. And if, the, if their female partner has problems reaching orgasm, then she's just getting into the groove. She's just thinking, oh, that feels good. Oh, that feels good. 
And then her partner changes position and she's like, huh, okay, right, I can deal with this. She starts getting back into that rhythm. Oh, yeah, that feels really good. Oh, yeah, oh, that feels nice. And then her partner changes position again and she's like, oh, you're kidding me. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And she starts again. I actually had a uh, marriage counsellor who referred a couple to me several years ago and he had an early... Uh, yes, he had an early ejaculation problem, but his partner had uh, actually, sorry, I was wrong there. That was a different client. His partner had lost her libido after the birth of their first child. That had been seven years ago. She just wasn't interested in sex. So they had been going to counseling, marriage counseling, several sessions. And there was still no improvement in her desire for sex. And then I just had this inkling and I looked at her partner and I looked at her. And, and so I asked the question, so how do you like his technique? And she just looked like she had been hit in the face. And she looked <laughs> yeah. at me and she looked at her partner and she looked at me again. And her voice went very quiet and she said, I, uh, yeah, I uh, don't really like his technique. And he looked at her in total surprise and he says, but I do what every woman likes. I go hard and fast and I change position so it keeps it interesting <laughs> for her. And that's what a lot of guys think. Wow. And so... I taught her an exercise how to bring her awareness back to her vagina. I said, you can practice it a little bit you know, while we're here, while we're talking. And then about 10 minutes later, she looked at me and she, goes, she says, oh my gosh, Jackie, that exercise is so effective. And well, we all know how good exercise is for us. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, they... Her, uh, the marriage counsellor who had referred them to me rung me a, you know, like a few days later and she said that they had rung her the next day with the phone on speakerphone, so excited and, and tripping over each other and expressing their excitement of the amazing sex that they had had for the last few days because I taught her partner how to focus on just maintaining a slow, even rhythm. Right. Just a nice, even rhythm. And through that, she felt a lot more connected with him because if you're trying to go hard and fast, that's like driving a car at 100 miles an hour. You've yeah. got to just focus completely on that speed and that means that your partner can't feel you. So it feels like you're being self-focused. Yet if you were to imagine driving at, say, 50 miles an hour, so if you're familiar, Darian, with when you drive at a slower speed, then you can converse with your partner and you can, or your passenger, and you can share that journey with her. Yes. Um, if, if you're that way inclined. And yet if you're going really fast, you can't. You've got to completely focus on maintaining that speed. And so to answer your question, 
the best sexual education is through my sex mastery programs for men and women. They can be accessed online. Right, right. No, I think it's, it's a great, um, from what you're telling me, it sounds like a great resource. I wonder, though, how, you know, as people are coming into their kind of sexual age as teenagers, young adults, if, you know, you're, you're working with people that are young, but what if, you know, they're not, they, I mean, they have access to you now, but they don't maybe not know who you are, but what are some things they could do to not be using porn or romance novels? You know, let's say they don't know who Jackie Oliver is, you know, what's their option? Well, they're going to have to wing it. And yeah, probably. So the the problem is, is that uh, something really interesting lately, Google used to rank my website really highly so people could find Mm -hmm. me, but then they started changing things. So they, any sort of information that could affect a person's life, it had to come from a medical site. Mm-hmm. a high-ranking medical site like Medical News Daily or uh, WebMD. And interestingly enough, they're also uh, promoting sexual enhancement drug sites, which is really interesting. So unless people are using, ah, uh, oh, that's a good idea, they can use a DuckDuckGo website browser, Bing, where I'm still ranked well. And... Uh, Otherwise, they're going to be reliant on whatever they can find on the internet. And that's going to give them conflicting information. It's going to contaminate their minds with wrong information. And they're going to have challenges because yeah. what, what happens when there isn't a relevant sex education, Darian, is that teenagers experiment with numerous partners to find out what they like or what works or what doesn't work. They find out a lot about what doesn't work, especially if their first sexual experience went wrong. Right. Because they have no correct information to relate their problem against. So if we go back to the analogy of, for example, the car analogy and learning to drive, we give our teens a full driver education where they learn to operate their vehicle and be aware of others on the road. And yet when it comes to the sex education, we give them the equivalent of a car, a key, and a fuel voucher yeah, with no understanding of how to operate their vehicle. So if they drive the car and they crash or they stall, then they've got a pretty good idea of what they've done wrong. And with practice, they can overcome that issue and get it right and then be able to venture out onto the road and drive amongst other people on the road and just maintain awareness when they're doing that. But with a sexual function issue, they don't know what they're doing wrong. And so they don't know how to fix the issue because you can't actually fix the issue until you know what you're doing wrong. And then 
You need the knowledge of what you need to be doing so that you can then focus your attention on that. If you don't know what you need to be doing, there's a huge amount of performance anxiety involved. And that anxiety then becomes their biggest problem because whenever they engage in the sexual act, their mind is already contaminated by thoughts of what's probably going to happen or not going to happen, depending on what the problem is. And so they're not focusing their attention in the manner that their brain needs to be able to complete a mutually fulfilling sexual act. Makes a lot of sense. It's very, it's interesting. I would just wonder how, why isn't, what is the maybe friction? I'm not sure how it is in New Zealand, but in the United States, there seems to be this friction about teaching proper sex education in high school or whatever age around that time. And why do you think we're so resistant to have these type of conversations with our young people? Is it that we think that we're going to drive them to sex too early? Or is it kind of a backlog of previous generations and not willing to talk about sex? What's your thoughts about that? Hmm. Glad you asked that question, Darian. It's a really good one. I would say that it's a combination of both. Mostly they fear that they're going to have sex more often, but what they're not realizing is that when they don't have that sex education knowledge, they're going to experience experiment more often to try and get things right, and it's going to be more casual sex and random sexual encounters with perhaps people they don't love because they want to make sure that their bodies are working properly for when they meet someone that they really care about. And that's a, a real challenge for a lot of teens. I knew that it was panned out that way with me so I know from my life experience that that does happen and with a lot of teens that I've spoken with it's really interesting the 18 year old that uh, I treated for this issue he actually referred his father to me because his father his he said to he said to his father he says dad I've got this problem. I've got I've got this problem of ejaculating early. It's called premature ejaculation. I've researched it on the internet. I need to be able to fix this problem. And his father said to him, "Son, I've got that problem too. I'm I'm really sorry to say, but you've got it for life. It's a lifelong oh, problem. Wow. It there is no answer to solve PE." And so his father had just gone through mainstream options which provide the numbing cream or the stop start method or the squeeze technique and what those uh, those common techniques that are taught do they actually bring more of your awareness to that part of your body and if you've got a premature ejaculation problem that's going to make it worse you need less of your attention there 
And so uh, the father didn't get around to uh, getting over his embarrassment on this subject to approach for a conversation around it, even though I make it fun and interesting. I poke fun at the human body because we all have one and they work in very similar ways. But since then, I developed the online program where men and women can access these programs in the privacy of their phone, their laptop or their desktop computer and only reach out and ask questions if they want to clarify something they're a little unsure about. But the program explains, first of all, what they're doing wrong, then how to deal with the, how to coordinate the mental and anxiety part of things so that you're able to focus your attention on the right way. And then part two explains step by step exactly what you need to do to restore full sexual function so that you can have an enjoyable time with your sexual partner. How does this play out in your own personal life? And in the sense of like, I think about it in some ways as somebody who they're in a profession and they teach something. And then sometimes in that teaching, they often have, it's different for them when they're doing the act of whatever they're teaching. How does this play out in your life? How do you explain this to a partner or is someone, you know, like, how do, I'm just curious about that. You know? Like how, not quite sure like what when you you're mean. meeting some, when you're meeting someone, it's kind of like if, um, in a sense, if a psychologist is telling people, you know, and listening to them about their problems, but then they may not actually follow their own advice to people for that. I wonder in this sense, how do you, you're giving people advice about this and how do you deal with that when you have a partner? Do you talk to them about these things uh, before sexual, the sexual act? Do you have like in-depth conversations about it? I'm just curious on that aspect of it. My partner is very curious about the work that I do and mm-hmm. uh, the story of how I got to where I'm at and very curious, often ask questions. And uh, one of the things that I uh, mention to women is that I can teach them how to orgasm on demand so that they can have multiple orgasms during sex, even if they've never had one before. And one of my clients was actually 76 years old. Oh, my gosh. When she had her first orgasm with her. No. With her husband of uh, up to about 43 years now. That's amazing. And she had been to medical specialists, hormone therapies, you name it. She had tried it over the years. She loved intimacy with her partner, but she was just never able to reach orgasm. Just explain step by step what she needs to do. And then uh, about six weeks later, her partner emailed me to say that she hits gold nearly every time they have sex now. And that's intercourse. It's not foreplay. It's intercourse. Right. And she had uh, serious health problems as well. And she was, even though she had those health issues, she was still able to orgasm every time they had sex. 
Now, even though I mentioned that uh, she can achieve multiple orgasms, it's actually better if you just go for one or you just go for two. And Why is so, that? Because it can become, when, when she's just trying to have orgasm after orgasm after orgasm, then it becomes all about herself. And her partner feels the disconnect. He feels like he's not included anymore. He's just the stud providing right, you're just using that you for it. Yeah. 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 And uh, that can be really uncomfortable for a partner. And so also if, if she's going for, example, multiple squirting orgasms and squirting orgasms are working with gravity, it requires a particular movement. And if you don't initiate that action, you won't be able to have a squirting orgasm. But it's kind of like getting onto a roller coaster and you go this big whoosh down this roller coaster and then it's like, wow, that was fun. And then you get back on that roller coaster again. And then you go whoosh. What and is it, the nature of that squirting orgasm? I mean, I'm I'm honestly I think people listening to this are gonna would want me to ask that. Honestly, they'd want to know, you know. The nature of it? Define the nature like what of is, it. Like, well, what is um what is the mechanics of that? I mean, I don't know how to say it better. Like, you know, obviously it was normal orgasm, but with the squirting, what, what is that? Like, I think some people, they see it like, let's say they see it in a porno or something like that. And they're like, well, okay, what is that actually composed of? Is that actually, what is the secretion? You know what I mean? I mean, I'm, I'm terrible at explaining this. I'm just trying to figure out the best way to ask you that, you know? <laughs> well, that's a interesting question. And I don't get too much on the, uh, medical technical okay. side okay. of it terms. However, I can tell you that it's not urine. Although okay. I, must, okay. I must say that sometimes there is some urine with it because the bladder is right next door. And if a woman does a pushing down movement, which is required mm -hmm. for a squirting orgasm, if she hasn't emptied her bladder, then there's a high possibility that there will be some urine excreted as well. I see. But the the liquid itself is not urine. It's, That's interesting. Uh, it's like a it's a whitish color, and when I, uh, I I give an exercise for women that they can do to practice uh, preparing for a for a squirting orgasm, and it will also resolve an, an a vaginal dryness issue as well, which fifty percent of women over forty experience, which is another thing which can put her off sex because it actually feels like her vagina is being rubbed with sandpaper. Yeah, coarse okay. sandpaper, not smooth sandpaper, coarse sandpaper. Ooh. Yes, it hurts like hell. Sounds terrible. And uh, actually, when uh, I reached 40 and I started experiencing it for the first time, I was like, oh, my gosh. No way. Uh, <laughs> no way. It's like I can see why there are a lot of older women who don't want sex because this hurts badly. And so I thought, okay, well, let's apply some logic here mm -hmm. with what I know about the sexual act and how the body works. How can I fix this? And so what I started doing was initiating the action for a squirting orgasm, but before sex, before penetration. Oh. And what I found was 
it lubricates the whole of the inside of the vagina like you flush like the flush mechanism on a toilet right right and I was a bit concerned when I was experiencing that dryness. So I booked an appointment with a gynecologist and I had to wait. I think it was about six weeks in the lead up to that. So I just kept practicing my inner vaginal flush technique every time I had sex. And my partner and I have quite an active sex life. So I was getting plenty of practice with that. And then I went to the gynecologist's office and she checked me out. And she's like, how old did you say that you were? I said, oh, I'm um, 42. And she says, you have the healthiest vagina I have ever seen. She said, I can't believe that it's 42 years old. Wow. Really can't believe it. And I put that down to the inner vaginal flush technique that I developed. So it, it stops, it uh, flushes with that lubrication associated with that squirting orgasm, but it, it flushes it. So it's like using an external lubricant, but inside your vagina. Inside, yeah, because a lot of people, they may use, I was going to ask, what is the kind of the relevancy or the percentage of people using external lubrication? And then I also wanted to talk about what is it with guys using, you know, the, uh, and maybe an enhancement or like say things like Cialis or I don't even, you know, honestly, I've never used that stuff. So I don't know what it is completely, but I've heard people telling me about things like that, you know, staying hard longer. What is with all these external, uh, basically applications for that? Um, because it's probably a huge problem. I would imagine why it's so prevalent, I would guess. Yeah. Right. So there is a place for them. Uh, mm -hmm. I would imagine, in some cases. Uh, however, what they tend to have is a placebo effect. Mm. So a man might think, hmm, well, if I take this erection drug, then I don't have to worry about sex. I'm just going to stay hard and I can just get on with it. Right. And so... Instead of focusing on the problem, he focuses on the sexual act. And whether or not that works will really be determined by how much attention and the uh, balance of how much attention he's putting on his arousal and his awareness of sensations because what's really interesting is that many erection drugs are given by doctors to treat both problems. So how does that work? If it's supposed to increase awareness of arousal, then how can it also stop arousal with a man that has PE? You've got to question how it could work in that way. And uh, so I'm, I'm a little bit suspect on using that sort of an option. Also, if a man is worrying, like he may have that erection drug or he may use that numbing cream, but then he starts worrying about his problem happening anyway. And if, as soon as he starts worrying about that, he's thinking about that. As soon as he's thinking about it, 
he's picturing it. As soon as he's picturing it, that's the most recent signal that his brain is receiving. Can you see how that would affect what happens, Darian? Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. And so I've had, I've lost count of the number of men that I've treated or who have gone through my programs because that's one of those questions that I ask in the questionnaire where I'm gathering statistics is what previous treatments have you tried and what was the outcome? And a vast majority have tried drugs and medications and herbal supplements like herbal supplements would be the better option but again if you're focusing on the wrong action you're giving your brain the wrong signal and you're going to have the wrong result makes a lot of sense yeah so conversely if he knows how to balance his sexual focus it becomes sex becomes like a dance where or a game of chess, whichever is your preferred game, where you know that every action has an equal reaction. So you need to there are actions which advance you along the arousal scale, which means that they increase your erection hardness. And they also lead you towards ejaculation. So you can't do too much of that type of focus. You've got to kind of do it for shorter periods of time. And then there are actions which reduce your awareness of sensation. For example, every man with premature ejaculation thinks he's too sensitive. Uh, I I can't enjoy sex because my penis is just too sensitive and as soon as I enter my partner, it's all over. They're too sensitive because they're constantly thinking about their penis and how aroused they're feeling and how aroused their partner is feeling. But then many of those men will then start thinking, okay, well, I've got this problem. I don't know how to solve it. Uh, what am I going to do? Okay, I'm going to make sure that my partner has the best foreplay experience ever. So I'm going to make sure that my partner is totally satisfied through foreplay, just in case I fail during intercourse, because that's what usually happens. And then he puts all of his attention on his partner during foreplay. And then to his surprise and horror, he loses his erection hardness. And now he thinks he has two big diseases. He thinks he's screwed, pardon the pun. He just thinks yeah, it's all no, over. Yeah. He, he just thinks there's no hope for him. And so when these men approach me for uh, one-on-one consultations, because I do those as well, some, some guys, people just want to go more in depth and just have that one-on-one expert advice and have it real time instead of through email support. And they'll say, I've got both partners. And you can just see on their facial expression, they're totally devastated. And I said, well, which problem did you start with? And he might say, oh, early ejaculation. I said, right. And I said, what's a bet that you came to the conclusion that you weren't able to last long enough, so you're just going to dedicate yourself to giving your partner the best foreplay experience. 
And that's when you started losing your erection hardness. And he looks at me and he said, yes, that's absolutely true. I was like, so what I can tell you is you've, you're actually starting to focus on the action which will give you complete control over ejaculation, but you've just taken it too far. You've overdone it. You've just got to do this to balance your sexual focus. And then it just becomes a matter of how physically fit you are. So for trainers in the health and fitness industry, then it becomes a matter of training a person, like referring them so that they can their client can get rid of a, a stress that's demotivating them in all areas of life right. to get the answers to be able to balance their sexual focus. And for a man, it's a very fine line, a very fine line. Too far one way, he's going to lose his erection. Too far the other way, he's going to lose control of ejaculation. And that can happen in a two-second time frame. So he needs to know exactly when he needs to change his focus to balance that movement along the arousal scale so that he stays hard and he stays in complete control of ejaculation. Otherwise, there's always that anxious thought and, and that anxiety that's related to having some information but not having that complete education. And it's that complete education that restores absolute confidence in his ability to uh, lead his partner throughout that sexual act. And that's when he starts feeling like he's a king in bed because he knows if he starts losing his erection hardness, he does this. The precise action that immediately gives him a firm erection, restore it immediately. Or if he starts to feel like he's starting to lose control, then he does this. And he immediately regains complete control. And it's not stopping and starting. It's not squeezing the end of his penis. It's not thinking about the, you know, the recent football game. <laughs> Uh, it, it's not looking up and all around the room trying to distract himself. It's none You've of that. You've probably heard all of it. You've heard all of these things. Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Where does masturbation play in all of this in your mind? Hmm, well, masturbation, uh, first of all, it doesn't exercise the penis muscles, well, the muscles that support the penis. Mm -hmm. And so you're really only giving your hand and your arm a workout. It also uh, can be a problem if a man uses it to relieve stress. Because if you're doing it to relieve stress, like emotional stress or mental stress or relationship stress, which it's not going to work to do, then you're teaching yourself to ejaculate early because you're just trying to get it over with early. And for any man who's in a relationship, well, for most men who are in relationship, 
their partner gets really stressed out when they see them masturbating. They're either, uh, well, there are a few aspects to this. So uh, many men with a erectile dysfunction or a premature ejaculation issue will masturbate to see if they can last longer. They'll masturbate to see if they can get hard. They'll masturbate because they don't feel confident approaching sex with their partner. So they're just trying to get rid of their need through masturbation. And that's a really bad idea, especially when a partner views that and they're thinking, well, why aren't they having sex with me? Am I not attractive? Don't they love me anymore? You know, what's happening with our relationship? It, it makes them start questioning the relationship. So there's the relationship aspect of masturbation and then there is the, uh, the teaching your body to do the wrong thing challenge of masturbation. So for uh, example, a man might use a much stronger grip than he would uh, stimulate more awareness of sensation, which perhaps if he's with his partner, if she doesn't know how to do the specific actions which enhance her experience and enhance her partner's experience, then he may feel like he's not getting enough stimulation to maintain a hard erection. And if he doesn't know how to balance his focus toward the actions that uh, provide a strong erection, then he's going to start worrying that he's not going to be able to be hard during the sexual act with a partner. And I've treated hundreds of men who have considered themselves to have had a masturbation problem. And really, a, a lot of it has been because they've read that if they masturbate a lot, then it's going to cause problems. So a lot of the time with sexual function issues, it's a mental contamination issue. The biggest problem is a mental contamination issue. And it can be from wrong sexual imprinting. A person who has, for example, a very high level of fantasy, sexual fantasy, where they need to engage in that high level of fantasy, for example, orgies or threesomes or foursomes uh, or gangbanging type scenarios, because that's what they experienced when they were growing up or that's what they saw when they were growing up. Or perhaps they saw some porn that related to those topics when they were growing up and that has contaminated their mind mentally. It's, it's affected their sexual program. So they require that level of fantasy to feel fulfilled. And if that, if they get to, so say someone with a high level of fantasy, and this kind of touches on masturbation, but I'm kind of swinging it along to uh, explain a sexual fantasy, is if someone has that high level where they have to do that to feel fulfilled, and then they meet someone who maybe likes wearing sexy lingerie every now and then, but doesn't even like giving their partner oral, then they can absolutely love each other to death, but they're not sexually compatible. 
and eventually that relationship would fall down because one partner feels like they have to be someone who they are not to fulfill their partner and even though they're doing their best, the other partner with that high level of fantasy feels like they have to give away part of themselves to come down to their partner's level. So in some cases, partners will be sexually incompatible. But most of these problems around sex have to do with sexual function issues, but there are also emotional connection issues. So one of the reasons why women tend to lose interest in sex or just don't feel turned on is because they don't feel connected emotionally with their partner. So if they're often arguing, for example, then a woman's libido will just switch off. Like she doesn't have the testosterone that a male has to constantly fuel her desire for sex. She's got to mentally turn herself on and it's helpful if her partner can help her in that way. Yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, it makes complete sense. I mean, I've, man, I've been married almost 16 years and I can attest to that, that I know for my relationship, it's with my wife is especially mentally, she needs to be in that mental space yeah. to feel sexy and to get turned on. And it's something for me over the years, I've really learned to um, really focus on and to understand how important that is. I think when you're young, you just, there's a large part of you that's just, you don't understand or you don't care. And, you know, you're doing, you're just being young, you're doing weird things, you know. But I, as being together with someone for a long time, a partner that long, it's, it's important to understand their needs and desires and, and how different we are and how we are uh, aroused, you know. Absolutely. And you touched on something really interesting when you said that, uh, when you're growing up, maybe you don't care. Yeah. Uh, what often happens is if your sex education is through porn, you think that a, a woman, for example, likes it hard and fast. So you actually think that they're having a good time because all the women they see on porn have a good time when it's hard and fast. And so they're set up to believe certain things that aren't true. I could see that. I could totally see that. I mean, I think that anybody who's ever watched porn, and I'm sure a lot of people have, is you get fed something that you believe is true, or this is how professional people have sex, you know? Yeah. You know, like it's like there's some professional organization, they're professional athletes or something, that this is how they do it. It's almost like trying to be a manual on some level for people of how to do things. And it's com the complete opposite. Yes. That's really interesting that you said that too. Like I often refer to my sex mastery programs as a manual for completing the sexual act from start to finish. Right. See, if you've, if you've got an issue, then... You need to break down the sexual act to like a movie. So if you watch a movie, it's just this lovely flowing event 
But if you were to break it down, it's frame by frame by frame by frame. And so if you're suffering from a sexual function issue, you need to know whereabouts in that movie you're losing control or your mind has become contaminated. And you need to then, like, uh, quite often a man, for example, would will have all of the components there, but he's got them in the wrong order. And until he gets them in the right order, he's like he's got to put this action maybe over here at the start where he's doing it, where it's causing him to ejaculate early. And so you cut and paste that action there and that action there and that action there. And then you've got a sequence that your brain understands. And when your brain understands what you want, it's like, oh, you want that program? Here you go. Oh, you want that program? Here you go. Here's the right balance of hormones and muscle programs and everything that you need to complete that act. And I think I said it before, for a male, staying hard and in control is like walking a tightrope. Yeah. It's like walking a tightrope. And any action or mental focus too far one way will cause him to lose his erection. Too far the other way will cause him to lose control over ejaculation. And for his partner... Uh, especially a female partner, if he's losing his erection hardness, she thinks that he doesn't love her anymore or that he's not attracted to her anymore or that he's having an affair. And obviously in 99.9% of the cases, that's not true. And yet that's what she thinks. Because men tend to want to solve these problems on their own. And I've had clients who have been to my website five years ago, regularly gone onto my website since then, and then mentioned when they finally bought the program, oh, I actually came across you about five years ago, and I've been thinking about it ever since, and I've had that problem ever since, and I've been miserable ever since. And then my partner left me and I thought, well, I've got to do something about this. And so it's really important that if you have this issue, get rid of the problem. To get rid of the problem, you've got to look outside of your current knowledge base. And the more you try and search for answers online, the more it's going to confuse you because there's a lot of conflicting information out there and most of it's wrong. Most of it's going to exacerbate the problem or it's just going to cause more confusion, which means you've got more mental contamination when you're thinking about approaching the sexual act. So it would just add to the anxiety. I have to tell you, this is extremely informative. I think what's interesting about you, Jackie, is you're very straightforward. You're not someone, in my perception, who kind of slides by and says, well, this kind of thing here, or what about this kind of thing? You're just like, no, this is what it is. 
penetration. This is vaginal flushing. This is squirting. You're, you just keep it very succinct and very to the point and very raw and open. I think people need that. They don't need to be told, like beat around the bush per se about, well, what, what do we think about this? Well, I don't know, kind of like this, or it's kind of like that. They never talk about the actual thing and graphic terminology. Maybe that's it. It's very graphic in an informational type of way, the way you explain this. It's incredible. It's incredible. You're well, it's incredible. I've learned a a ton in this, I think because you've just been so, so straightforward about everything that you've said, extremely graphically appropriate, but it's been very straightforward to the point. Like this is what's happening. Thank you. you. I I just want to give people the insights and the understanding that if you suffer from these issues, and it's interesting that you mentioned vaginismus, which is a uh, involuntary contracting of a woman's vagina. Again, it's medically there is no cure. I had a young woman who approached me a few months ago and I taught her an exercise to push down and open her vagina and then uh, she solved the issue one session. She reckoned after one session it was 80%, the problem was 80% gone. Amazing. And, And so... With the with the right knowledge, it, it just becomes so easy. It's like I, I solve these problems usually within one to three sessions or via my sex mastery program. And so you know, if you want to work one-on-one, then, hey, you know, um, just go to my website, sign up for a complimentary session, and we'll go over the strategy you need to move forward. And then if you want to uh, book one-on-one or purchase the sex mastery program you can do it from there and uh it's it's just the real answers that you need the real answers that you've been looking for it's not a a a great uh problem it's just you've just had the wrong education or you've had no education which is worse you're totally right you're totally right i mean that's and what i was getting at earlier is there is no education. The school systems may say, you know, we teach this or the parents are up in arms about it, but really it's just, there's really not much, if nothing, available. That's right. And the parents can't teach the kids because half the parents have got, or 80% of the <laughs> parents the don't have a clue either. Yeah, that's the problem. You can't teach something you don't know about either. You know what I mean? And if you think about it, relationships, one of the most important things in life, if you have if you know how to create a happy relationship and intimacy and sex is a huge part of that, then you're going to naturally increase oxytocin, dopamine, endorphins, serotonin. But if you have these problems and you know all those happy hormones, they're obviously amazing health benefits as well, like when you exercise. Yet if you have these problems, you're constantly triggering stress hormones and that's going to affect your immunity it's going to affect the functioning of your body it's going to uh, when you're stressed you can't think clearly because your prefrontal cortex shuts down to a degree and this is why so many people panic or 
as an example for men, when they lose their erection or lose control, they panic. And part of the problem is not knowing how to resolve that anxiety when it's triggered. And this is one of the biggest keys to the puzzle of solving sexual function issues. Yes, you need to know what actions to focus on, but if you can't resolve that anxiety when it's triggered, you won't be able to think clearly and you won't be able to remember what you're supposed to be focusing on. And uh, I actually treated a medical doctor some years ago who is actually a diabetes specialist. He, he treats people who have chronic heart and kidney failure. And he had a sexual function issue and I taught him this knowledge and technique and he now refers me to his patients. Like he has, He's quite incredible, actually. He's got a Facebook following of 270,000 people. He has big influence in his country. And he said this is the problem that all men are hiding. They... And he refers to it as a basic lack of training. And he uses the emotional reset technique, which is part of the answer to solving these sexual function issues. He uses it in his clinical practice. And uh, he provided empirical evidence of patients that he has been using this method with and has reported and provided documentation, clinical evidence of two patients. One needed a double transplant of heart and kidney, and the other needed a kidney transplant. And both returned normal bloods within one after 16 days, the other after 30 days of applying the emotional reset technique along with his treatment. And what happens is when you restore your brain and your body to a place of calm, then in his case, he was helping his patients remove the fear of dying because like me, he has total confidence in what he does and his treatment method and in teaching his patients how to deal with the anxiety related to their health challenge, it removed the fear. It balanced the uh, chemical balance in the body, removed the stress hormones, provided a healing environment in which the body could heal. And when you provide that healing environment, then the body heals very quickly. When you become focused on your outcome, then you apply the emotional reset technique to restore yourself to that place of calm when you're triggered, then your prefrontal cortex immediately comes back online. You're able to think clearly. It's like, oh, right, I need to do this. You switch your attention to doing that. Instead of not knowing what to focus your attention on, not knowing how to neutralize that anxiety when it's triggered so you can actually think clearly, and not knowing if you're ever going to get rid of that problem and be able to enjoy such an important part of your life.
Well said. I tell you what, this has been fantastic. And uh, Jackie, you're doing amazing work. And again, I think you just explain it in such a very straightforward, uh, graphically appropriate appropriate way that it's easy to understand. Um, but I think, as you said, it's really there's just a lack of training, no training going on. So um, this is awesome. It really is. I mean, one of the more informative episodes I think I've had on any subject for it. So thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Darian. I've really appreciated being able to reach more people with this vital knowledge. Yes, thank you so much. Well, listen, we're going to be in contact, and uh, you have a great rest of your day. I will. If I could just share my website address. It's, Please do. Uh, if you go to endtheproblem.com forward slash fix, I have a report there on how to fix intimacy problems. And that will help you to help your audience to get started on restoring satisfaction in this important area of their life. Wonderful. Definitely go check it out. All the listeners there, I think it's important. One of the reasons I have reasons I have topics like this is because I think not enough people are discussing these things or they're many ways just taboo to people or something you're told to not talk about. I think subjects, especially like this, we need to have open discussions on uh, it. We need to be have honest discussions about it. So. Absolutely. And if I may just add one more point, if you are a health professional and you truly want to help your clients restore a completely happy life, but also to have the motivation to implement the changes that you're asking them to do, just ask the simple question, do you have any intimacy issues? The reason why I ask this is that 80% of people do, and it's one of the biggest things that causes a lack of motivation in your life. And I know someone who can help you with that. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jackie. You're amazing. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Darian. All right. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.